You may think this is a joke, but there's an actual conspiracy theory going around claiming that the Earth is not a sphere. It's actually flat, like a pizza, with a solid dome over top. Seriously. But what about NASA and satellite photography that plainly shows the shape of the Earth? Clearly, they've been lying to us for decades. Those pictures have been photoshopped, faked, staged. Why? Obviously for the purpose of world domination. One would hope that followers of Jesus wouldn't be duped into such a far-fetched conspiracy theory, but there are Christians that believe the Bible actually teaches that the world is flat. And if you believe secular science over the Bible, you're disbelieving God. But does the Bible actually teach that the earth is flat? Does the Bible contradict science or confirm science? How do we give biblical and scientific rebuttals for those who claim the earth is flat? And is this podcast actually controlled by the Illuminati? Is Gabe actually a reptilian shapeshifter or alien in disguise? Welcome, everybody, to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast where we talk of Bible beards and everything in between. I am actually joined by Gabe Rutledge. He's back, and he's looking good. How you doing, Gabe? Mm. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah, Corey did an excellent job filling in. He did. And, uh, yeah. I, I could just... The, I had to control the jealousy welling up in me that you were you had a different co-host for a week. And I'm just I'm, I'm telling you, man. If you uh, you know you leave me alone like that, I can guys got to do what a guy's got to do. You know. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, no, we were good. No, thanks, man. He he was a really good interview. He was a really uh, easy guy to to interview and talk with. Although we almost got attacked by wild rats the entire conversation. That was yeah, I did hear that. There was something going on, on the wall behind Corey. <sighs> Yeah, we think it was a rat. It could have been a squirrel or something, some sort of a vermin yeah. of some kind. But really, really big cockroach. Yeah, maybe that too. So, how was your trip, man? How was uh, how was Uganda? How was the I would say the land down under, <laughs> but more Ugander. like the land down over. Uganda. Yeah, it, it was, was it? it was a it was amazing. It was full of stuff, full of. Um, of activity and jam packed. It was, it was shorter than I normally go. I think it was like 10 days long. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I got to meet one of your people, Tara Henson. Yes. And, um, she so graciously extended, um, the use of her home to us for a couple nights. And so it was really neat to meet her and she is a regular awesome. listener to the podcast and a great hostess to us, a weary travelers. We, we spent the last two nights, our time in, U- in Uganda there at her home. So we kind of looked probably a little bit washed out and tired. And, but <laughs> I, I, the, the second day I was at her home, I had food poisoning from eating some sus- oh, no. suspicious village food. So I was just kind of laid out in bed and, um, she was so gracious and, and let me recover and, um, do our thing. But I want to give Tara a, a shout out and say, hello, Tara. Thank you again for all your hospitality. And, um, letting us, uh, you know, barge into your home like that for a couple of days. It was, it was a really nice respite before we had to ship back out to the States. 
Yes, sir. Well, that's awesome. Tara's Tara's really cool like that. So thank you, Tara, yeah. for that. That's and awesome. What she's, what she's doing there in Jinja is amazing, working with all those street kids and, and you know, taking the gospel like that out to the, some of these more remote villages on those islands and things. So um, we, we did get to spend some time, um, you know, kind of following her around and, and she introduced us to a lot of the young men that she's ministering to there in Jinja. So that, mm. that was really neat. She's doing, she's awesome. doing a, a, an amazing work there. She is. She's doing awesome work. We need to be praying for her and for the people of Uganda. Uh, mm-hmm. Gabe, I'm sure you know, um, recently they have gone on a pretty intense lockdown just because of COVID stuff going on. And uh, it's gotten pretty bad um, just from you know the perspective of the government restricting travel and any types of gathering at all. And so some of the young men that she works with, they're, they live on the streets. And so they're basically on the run from police that are, uh, you know, beating them if they don't have a place to go. And so just going to be praying for them and for her and for, uh, churches and pastors and ministries that are over there. And, and I'm sure that's not the only nation in the world right now that's experiencing stuff like that, but still need to be praying. So, yeah, that's, that's actually the reason I cut my trip short because yeah, they were, you know, my trip was going to be to like Tuesday or Wednesday of the following week. And then that Sunday though, the president was going to make a, a national address and mm. basically roll out new COVID restrictions and lockdowns and stuff. So I called my, my, um, uh, what do you call it? Airline. And they, they were like, yeah, you can change it. No, no fee or anything like that because of the circumstances. So there in Uganda lockdown means like there's military and police patrolling the streets and, yeah. and shooting at people or literally beating people who are in the street. And, um, so I needed to get out when I could get out basically. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take this opportunity. So I flew out a couple of days earlier than what I planned, but it was good. What time I had there was really productive and I'm glad I was able to do it. But Josh, I want to throw out a challenge to you because I know you're going to be in Uganda. Yes. In August. August. Yep. Coming up. You have to. So I, I've been there three times and okay. I have, this is probably a really good segue into one of our stories this episode. <laughs> I have never done any touristy type things in all the times that I've been there. Um, yeah, never taken a day where I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to be a tourist today. I did that on this trip and it was unforgettable. I booked, um, a whitewater rafting trip down the Nile river with this company called white Nile rafting company. And it was phenomenal. It was arguably one of the most amazing, thrilling, terrifying events I've ever Really? Done in my entire life. Yes, you have to do it. So, okay. So, have you done the Okoe and the Nanahela and I've the never Gali River rafted before this? Oh, I've, you've never. Oh, okay. No. Gotcha. So, I went from I was interested I'm to never, see how that stacks up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've never whitewater rafted. I went from never having done it to doing some of the, the most intense rapids in the world. They're all like class three through five rapids on the yeah. Nile River. And um, it was a blast, though. It was all day. Um, they feed you like a king on this trip and you camp out, um, on the, on the banks of the Nile river. And so, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And the the folks I I brought with me said the same thing. Like there's moments where you're like, I'm going to die. I'm going to (laughs) die. And then there's moments where you're just like, this is amazing. But yeah. So if you have the time, you have to, you have to take a half a day or something. So that is the challenge for me to try to do a whitewater rafting trip on there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think if you have the time, definitely do it. It's, it's based on a ginger. Okay, so if any of the folks that I'm taking that trip with are listening right now, so that's Mike and Jonathan and Emily and Julia and uh, 
the other Emily, if you guys are listening and you're thinking about ways to bless me, mm. it's like a half day of whitewater rafting. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. I saw your pictures. They looked amazing. So, yeah, it really was. Yeah. So I've gotten a ton of people asking me about the whitewater rafting story that you teased last episode. Oh, gosh. Or two episodes ago. Uh, and some people just don't like waiting. They've just come right up to me and been like, hey, you got to tell me now. What is this story? What happened? Mm. And truthfully, I had blocked that story out of my memory, like yeah. altogether. Good for you. Until you, until you brought it up <laughs> uh, a month ago. Is the story um, even kosher to talk about? I mean, <laughs> I'm going to try to, since you brought it up, you can't bring it up and then be like, oh, we can't yeah. say. So, okay. So I'll keep it PG. But essentially, years ago, I was interning as a youth intern at a church. And we took our youth group whitewater rafting, I believe, on the Nanahala River in North Carolina. And we were there with a couple other church youth groups. And of course, you've got three or four church youth groups, probably close to 50, 60 kids. Everybody's laughing and squirrely. Nobody's paying attention. And the guide that was like the head guide for this whitewater rafting company was just not in a joking mood. He was clearly having probably not the best day ever. He had all these kids that weren't listening and weren't taking it serious. And so he hopped on a raft to try to orient us on the proper technique for whitewater rafting. And he hops on this raft and he's like, I need everybody to look at me. Everybody right up here. Eyes on me. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, the kids are like at that point, they realize he's, he's just not having a good day and he's kind of frustrated. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, I'm going to show you the proper form for whitewater rafting. I need everybody to look right at me. This isn't a joke. People have died out here on this river. And, uh, of course, you know, you don't hear a pin drop after he says that because the kids realize, oh, wow, this could be dangerous. So he's like, so the proper way to whitewater raft is you got to make sure that both feet are wedged under the cushions of the raft. When you sit down, and he sits down, and it's right around that time I realized that his shorts are very, 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 very short. Mm. So short, as a matter of fact, <laughs> that... Part of himself that did not need to be shown exposed was peeking through. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, the worst part about it was because he was telling us like that we had to be serious and we couldn't laugh. And like, he was not like, I, I noticed it and another intern noticed it also. And so the two of us were just kind of like, we, we saw it and our eyes got really big and I looked down, I'm trying not to laugh. He's trying not to laugh. But we look around at our kids, and these kids don't even notice. Mm. So they don't even notice there's anything going on. They don't even notice that this is happening. The guy that's explaining to us the proper form for whitewater rafting, he clearly doesn't notice because he's all about, you know, getting everybody to look look right at him and showing us the proper form. And, uh, yeah, he carried on that way for a couple of minutes, and then he uh, stood up, and that was it. Hmm. See, yeah, for some reason so, in my mind, I, I pictured this trip transpiring when you were a child. I thought I thought this was a childhood trip that your family took. No, 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 no. So that would have been much worse. I pictured like young 10-year-old Josh like being <laughs> completely traumatized like, for the rest yeah, of traumatized. my life. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I honestly thought it was hilarious, but because I was a youth intern that was supposed to be so much more mature than these high school students, which I was in college at the time, so you're not that yeah. much more mature than high school students, I couldn't laugh. 
Can you can you yell what he's yelling while this is going on? Can you just like do a solid impersonation of this guy? One more of time? the guide? Yeah. Yeah, it was basically like, all right, everybody, I swore <laughs> right here. All right, when you go whitewater rafting, it's not a joke, right? People died on this river. You got to make sure I swore to look right at me. Oh, <laughs> man. While he's exposing himself to 50 high school students. So, mm, okay. Yeah, so... Yeah. Lesson learned, if you're ever a guide on a white rod rafting company, yeah, that's hard to say really fast, white water rafting company, <clears throat> make sure you're wearing shorts that fit you. Yeah. So those yeah. listening who, that's your aspiration in life is to be a white water mm-hmm. rafting guide, which is an amazing, my dream job, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, just just wear some whitey tighties. You'd be good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just, you know. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Fortunately, now I'll plug the uh, the Nile Rafting Company again. Uh, I was not traumatized whatsoever, so we're okay, good, good in that department. That is really good. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's we the whitewater rafting story. I think I kept it PG. So yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Yeah, but the the, the bigger question is how do we move on to today's topic? After <sighs> I was trying to think of some segues, but I don't really know if I can. Other than some people believe that the Earth is flat. <laughs> isn't that strange that's really random and yeah it's and here's the craziest part um they're serious mm-hmm. they literally mm-hmm. believe that the earth is flat and the first time i heard this i thought it was a joke because it seems so far-fetched it seems so strange but it's true uh when did you first hear about people truly believing that the earth was flat uh probably about six or seven years ago if i had to guess um did you laugh the first time you heard it? Uh, I chuckled a little bit at first because I thought maybe it was like a joke. And then I was like, oh, oh you know, it was like, wait, wait a second. You know that meme that shows like Anakin and the, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> hey, wine, yeah. <laughs> you're joking, right? And then it's like, you're joking, right? But <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. like, um, yeah, probably six or seven years ago. Um, yeah, I realized that, that, that there is a growing movement of people, even within Christianity um, who believe that the earth is a disc. And to me, it is troubling that that's the case on a lot of different levels. Um, but I, I, I want to start off by saying and, and honoring these people because everyone that I've met now, it's only been a couple, maybe three or four people, everyone that I've met or interacted with who believes this, they do so from a place of trying to defend uh, the validity of, of the Bible. And so they, they, Uh, they look at biblical cosmology and how maybe they think the Bible describes the universe and it's, and it's shape and form. And out of a desire, a good desire to want to, to stand behind the infallibility of the word of God, they say, okay, yeah, we have to accept that this is, this is the shape of the earth. So I want to honor that right off the right out the gate. Like yeah, those no, are good intentions. Good that's a good point. So that's kind of how people who are uh, Bible believing Christians get sucked into kind of flat Earth theory. I think is so. They they genuinely believe that the Bible is saying, "Hey, the Earth is flat," and they're like, "Okay, well, I believe the Bible, so therefore, I'm in." Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think this comes from a, a, a place of like staunch fundamentalism. Uh, scriptural fundamentalism, which, yeah, it's like, you know, 
to a lesser extent might be okay there there needs to be six literal days of creation um and you know that's that's probably to a lesser extent like that's probably that's that's definitely way more commonplace and acceptable sure, but sure. um yeah to look at biblical passages that seem to allude to this to being you know like the firmament and then um the earth is fixed in its location i i think that that's right people coming from a place of wanting to defend the the validity of scripture. And, and yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So that's people who are Christian flat earthers. Why do people who aren't Bible believers seem to gravitate? No, no pun intended because mm. they don't believe in gravity. Uh, mm. But <laughs> why, why do people gravitate towards this kind of theory? What is it about this theory that's attractive to them? I have no idea. That's the thing that puzzles me the most is why someone who doesn't have a biblical worldview would accept the idea that the earth is flat. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think the bigger question to that is like, why would someone lie and say that it's a, a sphere? What was, what does one have to yes. gain from lying about that? Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's dive into the theory. Um, and obviously the most basic part of the theory is that the earth is, is flat so almost like a uh, like a pizza with a solid dome over top of it. So like a giant snow globe. And it kind of just floats around in space, right? Or do they know? Do they have any explanation for space? Um, I, I think different people would give you different explanations on what outer space is and whether or not okay. the Earth is moving. But I think most fundamentalist especially biblical worldview adherents would say that the earth is not moving whatsoever, um, hmm. that, it's, that okay. it's fixed in its location. Okay. So all evidence to the contrary that would suggest that the earth is a sphere, that the earth is, um, you know, actually round. Mm -hmm. So like satellite photos of earth from space, um, flat earthers, will believe that these are actually fabrications of a round earth conspiracy that's orchestrated by NASA and other government agencies. Yeah. So, well, I think let's, let's describe the flat earth, you know, like I think you used the, the snow globe analogy, which is a really good analogy. Okay. So flat earthers would say that we live on this disc, which is is um stationary it's not even with some some would say that it's rotating others would say that it's completely stationary and that there is this globe around us like a snow globe that's mm -hmm. called the firmament or the heavens and it's like a layer of of water or something like this and that the sun and the moon and maybe even some stars depending on who you ask are inside of that globe and that those are revolving on top of that sphere um, almost like a merry-go-round. So almost like, you remember the movie, The Truman Show with Jim Carrey? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so then, like a, yeah, a giant dome, basically. Around the perimeter, the circumference of this snow globe is a really, you know, tall wall of, of ice, which is like stretched out Antarctica, basically, that is impenetrable. And then below that, below the snow globe, is the underworld that's what you know maybe what they would say the bible refers to as sheol or hades depending on what what mythology you ascribe to so that's kind of like i hope that paints a picture in everyone's you know mind's eye what what a flat earther would ascribe to 
Right. So what you're describing is what more Christian flat earthers would say, because that's mm-hmm. more of a, an ancient Hebrew understanding of yeah, that's cosmology. True. We'll get into that in a minute. So, yeah, I mean, basically it's, it's the same, I would say, for both secular and uh, Christian flat earthers in the sense of they believe kind of the earth is a disk. And I thought this was really interesting in researching it. A lot of them believe that it's NASA employees who guard the ice wall at the end of the world, basically, to prevent people from falling, from climbing over and falling off the disk, falling off the, <laughs> off the world. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that's so a heck of a just, job. They so, just stand up there with uh, sniper rifles or... I guess it's like cattle, a border patrol, pods. basically. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I never heard that. Yeah, I hadn't heard that either. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, they believe that Earth's gravity is an illusion. So objects do not accelerate downward. Instead, the disk of the Earth accelerates upward at 32 feet per second squared. And they say that this is a force called dark energy. Again, I'm not sure if this is what biblical or Christian flat earthers believe, but this is what mm-hmm. secular flat earthers claim. Um, hmm. So flat earthers so with, believe. Go ahead. With that though, you're so they would say that the, the disc is actually in a constant movement upwards and that's what gravity yeah. is. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, so that explains why you drop a you know a coffee mug and it falls to the ground. Well, we're actually moving up. Yeah, but that doesn't. So, so I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I know, I know no, we're no. going to be doing this so the entire this, episode. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, so why so are the sun and the moon not falling to the earth? And so here's what. Okay, this is secular flat earthers. This is what I saw as I was researching it. Earth's day and night cycle is explained. By believing the sun and the moon are spheres that measure 32 miles uh, that move in circles 3,000 miles above the plane of the Earth. So they believe that stars move in a plane 3,100 miles up, so I guess 100 miles away from the sun and the moon. So Hmm. like spotlights, these celestial spheres illuminate different portions of the planet in a 24-hour cycle. So flat earthers believe there also must be an invisible anti-moon that obscures the moon during lunar eclipses. Hmm. And it, <laughs> how is it in, yeah, that's, I mean, there's so many questions. Yeah, me too. Already. Me too. So yeah, we didn't answer the question about why the sun and the moon aren't falling to earth. If the earth is, so like if I drop my keys, they're going to mm-hmm. fall to the earth because according to them, the earth is in a constant movement upwards and that, that accounts for gravity. So why right. are these celestial objects not falling to the earth as well? Well, it could be that they believe the celestial objects are inside the dome. Yeah, but you so, see what I'm saying? so, so are they're... my car keys, though. Oh, I get what you're saying, because if we're all moving up, then yeah. Yeah, makes there's got to be consistency it? in everything that... Yeah. But, so that's hole number one, I suppose. Yes, there's <laughs> a lot of holes to punch in this. Um, so flat earthers believe that photos of the globe are photoshopped. Uh, GPS devices are rigged to make airplane pilots think they are flying in straight lines around a sphere when they're actually flying circles above a disc. Okay. So that's interesting that you discovered that because I, I was under the assumption that all airline pilots and all boat captains for that matter had to be in on this. Oh, they're in on the conspiracy. Okay. But yeah, I mean, yeah, someone, I guess someone would say that they all are in on this conspiracy 
and some would, I guess some would say that all GPS systems are manufactured to just fool them and to trick them into thinking that they're actually flying around a, a, a globe. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. That and and so what's interesting is when you ask like, okay, so why would the world government, why would all the governments of the world conspire together to conceal the true shape of the Earth? So why mm-hmm. would they do that? Um, and the, the only reason I can think of is that they they want to. Someone someone might say, playing playing devil's advocate here. Someone might say, oh, because they're trying to discredit the Bible, and that it's a it's a oh, okay. concerted global effort of this, you know, secret society to, to fully discredit the Bible and what it's, how it describes it. Or, or, or they'd probably say, um, they'd probably say, well, that secret society, they, they want to undermine the notion of there being a creator. Because I think at the, at the root of this, Christian flat earthers would say that the flat earth model speaks more succinctly to the necessity of there being a creator. And that there is a lot of intelligent design, whereas the globe sure. model discounts the idea of there being a creator. I think is what they would say. Which I that's I, really interesting because I, I don't really disagree see that with. connection. Yeah, I, I disagree with that as well. I don't really see that connection as much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see that why a Christian flat earther would say, "Hey, they're trying to basically lie to us about the reality of God." Mm-hmm. Um, some flat earthers say the motive is financial that you know this big one world government underbelly they're all concealing the true shape of the earth and they're getting financial kickbacks from it which they don't really elaborate on what those financial kickbacks are but Mm -hmm. there you go there you have it there there is the craziness and the lunacy of the earth is flat Mm -hmm. but let's get into more of the biblical understanding like why christian flat earthers that say hey we believe the bible the bible is god's word the bible is our standard for truth and we believe the bible teaches the world is flat and it has a firmament or a dome over it it is supported by pillars and it's because the bible says so so how do they get there yeah i think well i think there's some verses um i i compiled a list but i think you got one here in the notes that go through a lot of these are, are exactly what I found as well. Um, there's just a lot of verses that talk that, that seem to talk about there being some kind of a disc or some, you know, um, flat earth firmament type situation, mm-hmm. which we can so, read through some of them. Yeah. So Genesis one and two, uh, the creation narrative, Genesis one verse two says the earth was created and it was without for form and void. And on the second day, uh, the firmament was created to divide the water, some being above and some below. Um, And on the fourth day, the sun, moon, and stars were created. They were placed in the firmament and not above the firmament. So this understanding of the firmament is, again, this vault or this dome that flat earthers that are, again, Christians will point to Genesis one and two and say, okay, that's what it's describing in those first few verses of Genesis, that there is a dome that's called the firmament. There is the earth and there's water uh, kind of above it and below it. And so, yeah, that's, that there's your, there's your proof text, right? 
Yeah. Um, also, if you read in the book of Revelation, John the Revelator sees four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. That's Revelation 7.1. And so flat earthers will go, well, hey, look, four corners of the earth. If, if the earth is round, the earth is a sphere, the earth is a globe, can't have four corners. So there you go. Uh, Job 37 and 38 talk about um, God spreading out the skies hard as a mirror of cast bronze. So they said that's a proof text of this vault or this firmament that goes over the, the earth. Uh, Job 38 says uh, that God might take the earth by the edges and shake out the wicked of it. Uh, Psalm 96.10 says that God fixed the earth. So there's understanding that the earth has been fixed in foundations kind of with this water underneath it. And so it doesn't move. It's kind of established in this vault or in the firmament. Um, First Chronicles 16.30 also points to that the earth also is established. It can't be moved. And then 1 Samuel 2.8 talks about the pillars of the earth of the Lord. So I guess that would be the the parts of the earth that are holding up the firmament or the, the dome. Um, so how do we make sense of that? I mean, that's a, I, I honestly had to do a little bit of digging to try to figure out what exactly flat earthers were seeing there that maybe I wasn't seeing within that. Is it just a, an exceptionally uh, very rigid literalism that's kind of leading them to, to see that? Cause I see that as more symbolic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would I would see it more as as figurative type language, but it could be too. Like if we if we concede a little bit, it could be that some of these ancient writers and definitely ancient Hebrews, um, really really all of I would say I would dare to say all of the ancient Near Eastern world and Canaanite world believed that the Earth was flat that there was there was a dome over the earth so it could be which i think we're going to get into a little bit later that god was choosing to communicate um eternal truths an aspect of his nature and his plan for redemption for humanity that he was trying he was packaging those things inside of the reality of how these people view the earth now I'm I'm not saying that that's what's going on, but that could be a theory as to why some of these things seem to be pointing towards, um, towards you know the Bible describing a flat Earth. But yeah, I by and large I just see this pre- predominantly being figurative language. So I mean it is pretty well documented that, like you said, the ancient world did not understand that the world was. A sphere around that didn't really come about until really the Greeks kind of started mm-hmm. playing around with geometry and kind of ratios and all that stuff. And so they kind of figure out, wow, the earth is, is a sphere. It's round. It's a globe. Right. And then in the Renaissance, you had Galileo and all those guys, they were the ones that really kind of our understanding of astronomy and things like that. So most people, Jewish or otherwise would not have had a understanding of astronomy that matches what we know today. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think by the first century, a lot of Greek astronomers begin to realize 
through a series of observations that the world is indeed um, a globe. Now, they might not have realized that we revolve around the sun by that point, but they definitely, through just simple observations, said, okay, yeah, this is this is different. We, we, we are standing on a globe. Um, some amazing ingenious discoveries that, um, you know, just things like just using wells or using sticks stuck in the ground, like, and they could mathematically calculate the surface area of this globe. So not only hmm. did they not believe the earth was flat, but they were able to almost down to the foot, like calculate the, the surface area of the globe on which we stand. Right. So when God gives his revelation to the people of Israel, and he describes to them his character and his nature as creator and about how all of the created order reveals his glory. He does not correct their understanding of astronomy. Mm -hmm. That That's kind of what it seems like is going on with this, right? Yeah, yeah. So most of the world would have understood this concept of, again, this is what they saw, the earth seemed flat. And so a lot of the... Old Testament passages use language that would have corresponded to the understanding of what people understood the natural world to be at that time. Yeah. And I mean, we still do it to this day when we talk about, um, you know, I've traveled to the ends of the earth. You know, we use this kind of language even to this day. It's just very right. fig figurative language. And we all understand that there are no ends to the earth, but it just mm -hmm. means that we've we've been all over the place, you know. Right. So yeah, I think when we when we anytime we read the Bible in a hyper literal way, bad things happen. Just mm -hmm. just in general. Right. So when we read the Bible like a textbook mm -hmm. and, and we think that the Bible is written for us as twenty first century Americans, uh then we we completely miss how it was communicated to the first people that would have heard God's revelation. At that yeah. time. Yeah. And I, don't get me wrong. There's times to read the Bible in a literal way, especially when talking about history or, you know, the book of Acts. That's pretty literal, you know. Or um, even the teaching portions of it, like in the epistles and. Yeah. Right. But that's just that's just the essence of of good hermeneutics is knowing when and when not to read the Bible in a literal way. Right. So and a I flat earther would. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think many of these verses that we just read um, are, are meant to be read figuratively or even poetically and not as much literally. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you look even at some of the verses that I just doing research for this podcast, looking at uh, Matthew 4, 8, where during the temptation of Jesus by Satan, Matthew's gospel says, once again, the devil took Jesus up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And so flat earthers will say, well, how could Jesus have seen all of the kingdoms of the world all at the same time? Well, only if the earth was flat, mm -hmm. right? He goes to the highest mountain, he looks out and he sees, well, <laughs> there's, there's obviously an element of the supernatural involved in that text, right? I mean, you're talking mm -hmm. about a cosmic battle between the devil, who's a high-ranking fallen angel, and Jesus. So it, it doesn't have to be that there's a, a mountain that's up so high that you can literally look out and see every single kingdom of the world and their glory. Yeah. Uh, and they also yeah, point to Revelation. Well, Go I was going to say real quick, just that's a, that's a bad verse to stand on if you want to defend Flat Earth with that verse, because 
the reason why, you know, if you're, if you're really in a flat earth model, you should in theory be able to go to the highest building in Chicago and see the skyline of New York city. But flat earthers would say you can't do that because there's too much atmospheric disturbance. So if you can't see that, what thousand miles, how, mm -hmm. how on earth is Jesus able to see all the kingdoms of the earth from on top of a mountain? It, there'd just be, there'd be too much at atmospheric disturbance in between the two. So yeah, that's, that's a really good example of someone reading scripture hyper literally and coming to faulty and discrediting conclusions because of that. Right. So people say the same thing about revelation one seven, where it says, Jesus, uh, behold, he's coming with the clouds. Every eye shall see him. They're like, well, how is mm -hmm. every eye on earth going to see him all at the same time? Well, obviously because the earth is flat. <laughs> well, uh, again, this is like God we're talking about. How does God listen to billions of people praying all at the same time? Mm -hmm. Well, he's God. <laughs> he's, yeah. He has omniscience. He has omnipresence. He has omnipotence. Like he's able to do things we're not able to do. So in a nutshell, uh, Christian flat earthers claim that the Bible clearly teaches the earth is flat. And if you believe the earth is round, you're choosing to disbelieve the Bible. And therefore, you are, my friend, disbelieving God. Is that a pretty clear summation of their stance? Yeah, and I don't, I don't think, at least the people I know wouldn't come out and say that you are disbelieving God. But I think it's like, by implication, you know, that I'm holding firm to the flat earth model because that's what scripture points to. And I'm really trusting God on this. So by implication, that means that you are not, or you're, you're, you're trusting God less, or you're putting less faith in the plain reading of scripture. So yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about uh, debunking the flat earth theory. Because it's not hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if you're interested in in people who are a lot smarter than us, so astronomers and mathematicians and meteorologists and people who are very, very adept at understanding these things, debunking them, man, there are whole entire websites devoted to debunking flat earth theories very easily. I mean, punching holes in this is not hard. Mm -hmm. So there are those out there. If you're interested in those, we can post some on the Facebook page. You can go to those. Uh, but Gabe, you sent me an article earlier by a guy named David Wilbur. And uh, it's a really mm -hmm. good article. It's five reasons to avoid the flat earth controversy. And I just thought his reasons were very, very simple and easy to understand. Yeah. And his first reason for why science or just common sense debunks the flat earth theory is he says this, he goes, in order to believe the earth is flat, you have to believe that every space agency around the world, not just NASA has been infiltrated with evil conspirators ordered to order to fool the world's population into thinking the world is a globe. Let's think this through for a second. Many of these government space agencies are not friends with each other. What's keeping Russia and Iran from blowing the lid on this entire conspiracy and telling Americans that our government has been lying to us the whole time. Hmm. So that's a pretty compelling argument yeah well then he says like not to mention private space exploration companies which is really important yeah. because um spacex you know owned by elon musk no they're no affiliation to nasa they're not they're not bought and paid for by nasa but they've had over a hundred successful you know missions to space 
So they have sent satellites, cameras, all kinds of stuff to space. So they would have to be in on as well. Yeah. You know, you, uh, Elon Musk is the kind of guy to go on Joe Rogan and be like, Hey, guess what happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got up there and we realized that everybody's been lying to us this whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's he, a dome. If, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could make bajillions off of revealing that. Yeah. So for everybody, every space agency all around the world to be keeping the same secret all at the same time, even when they completely disagree mm -hmm. on everything else and their enemies, that's not even like remotely reasonable to, to believe that. I mean, that's just so far-fetched. It's just, it's laughable if you even stop to think about it. Yeah. And now I think what's really ironic about this is that I believe that flat earth stuff infiltrating Christianity or the body of Messiah, let's say, I believe that that has done more damage to the credibility of the people of God and the ability to effectively communicate and share the gospel than ironically this supposed conspiracy has done to undermine the fact that there is a creator. Does that make sense? I think so. I explain that. You, you're just basically so, saying that people think we're crazy when we insist that the earth has to be flat when all of science seems yeah, to Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some things that we believe that people, you know, from a secular worldview would say that's crazy. Like, like the resurrection like, of Jesus. Right. Or the, or the Red Sea splitting in half or things like this, you know, yeah. like mm -hmm. they would say, okay, that's crazy. So I'm not saying that that's like the be all and end all of like what is true and what's not true. But the ironic part is that Christian flat earthers would say, we have to protect the sanctity of scripture and we have to, um, you know, to protect the, the, the model of the earth because it, it reveals that there has to be a creator. Um, and I think what you're inadvertently doing is um, bringing, uh, I guess, discrediting um, the faith in a way, because when people say, okay, your faith is absolutely like undeniably in direct contradiction to what all the world science is saying about the model of the earth like how can i accept what you believe to be true on this when you believe this is true so mm. you're ironically doing the very thing that you're trying you're accusing the secret society of doing does that make sense i think so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of a big hole to punch in the theory that that conspiracy about the Earth being flat would be really hard to get all of the world's space agencies to mm -hmm. keep. Uh, second reason David Wilbur gives is he says, Minute Physics released a short video featuring the top 10 reasons why we know the Earth is round. It's only two minutes. You want to watch it. So that's Minute, minute Physics. I guess you can go on YouTube and just click it, but he talks about time zones, the Coriolis effect. I don't really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Coriolis effect is why um, hurricanes in the Northern hemisphere spin counterclockwise, but in the Southern hemisphere spin clockwise. So oh. hey, have you ever been in Uganda? Have you ever been to the equator where the equator crosses over the road? Yes. Yes, I have. So have you ever seen the guys there who have the flower and they have the flowers and they drop it on the water? Do you know uh -huh. what I'm talking about? So no. if you go to the equator in Uganda, the equator passes through the southwest corner of Uganda. You can go there and there are men there. You pay them 
a little bit of money. And they do this demonstration for you where they, they take you into the Southern hemisphere, just like 10 feet into the Southern hemisphere. They pour water in a bowl. The bowl has a hole at the bottom. They unplug the hole at the bottom. So the water is draining out of the bottom of this big basin. Then they drop a flower on the surface of the water. And in the Southern hemisphere, the flower then rotates clockwise and all the water eventually drains out with the clockwise rotation to it. Then they take you to the Northern hemisphere, just 20 feet in the other direction. They do the same exact oh, thing. Wow. The flower spins counterclockwise and the rotation of the water as it's, as it's uh, draining out is counterclockwise. Then they take you to the very spot of the equator and you stand on the equator with these guys and the flower doesn't spin at all. It just gets sucked straight out of the, the bottom of this bowl. And that is that's, fascinating. Yeah, that's the Coriolis effect. And the Coriolis effect is completely undeniable to be a force mm-hmm. of nature. It's um, a, a, a YouTube, um, I think it's Veritasium, did an amazing demonstration of the Coriolis effect, um, which you'd have to look, look it up. I think it's Veritasium and Smarter Every Day um, collaborated on this video. But um, hmm. yeah, the Coriolis effect, you cannot explain it if you, if you ascribe to the flat earth model. So this is also why if you flush a toilet in Australia, the water spins a different way. <laughs> that was the, that was the inspiration of this video, this YouTube video that they did. They actually just de- debunked that, that it's more about the manufacturer and the toilet than it is oh, the Coriolis okay. effect. But that was in a Simpsons episode, if I'm not mistaken. No, but, um, that, that's what, in, that's what informs most of my scientific views, by the way. Simpsons yeah. Yeah. But no, there is absolutely a Coriolis effect. And that's why these tropical storms spin opposite directions of each other if they're in different hemispheres of the earth. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And that actually punches a hole in this whole idea of the earth being flat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, lunar eclipses also are, um, yeah, you can't really explain that if you hold on to a flat earth theory. Um, of course, the flat earthers will come up with. I think we mentioned it earlier. They say there's yeah. some sort of a <laughs> another heavenly body that explains lunar eclipses. So an anti-moon. Yeah, yeah, like an invisible, invisible yeah. moon. Or I've heard so. lunar eclipses be described as like so uh, atmospheric distortion that's actually casting a shadow on the moon or something like this. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so David Wilbur also says the easiest way to verify the globe yourself is to use the app stellarium which is an app you can get on your smartphone and he says you can literally verify verify that the earth is round by looking at the constellations this is something you can confirm with your own eyes uh you can look and see the curvature of the earth through seeing constellations um again flat earthers might have some convoluted explanation for why they reject this proof but occam's razor states that the simplest solution tends to be the right one and the simplest and most reasonable explanation for all these facts is that the Earth is a globe. Hmm. Yeah, it's so, just so much easier to accept the science on this than it is to come with all these convoluted explanations as to why all these phenomenons exist. Like just science sometimes is wrong, but science is always evolving and changing and, and, and making new discoveries. But the science on this seems to be overwhelmingly pointing towards there being a globe model of the earth. Yeah. And it's interesting, like all of reality points to this, it corresponds with reality. So if you're not going to accept that, you've got to come up with some really bizarre explanations for why Mm -hmm. it isn't, which flat earthers do. 
did you get a chance to watch that documentary I sent you? Or no, suggested I didn't. Beyond, I didn't. Beyond the curve? I really wanted to. If, if you get a chance to watch that, that's super interesting. Beyond it's called the Beyond, Beyond the Curve. And it's about the Flat Earther Society. And it kind of gives a... Uh, it paints a portrait of the kind of people that gravitate towards this theory. Mm. And it's almost as if it doesn't matter what truths they're presented right in front of their face. And one of the experiments that happens in this documentary is a scientist takes this guy out who's like the head of the Flat Earther Society, and they perform an experiment across the Puget Sound with a laser pointer that confirms that the Earth has curvature. Mm. And they do this experiment, and they ask him, like, okay, so what do you think about this now? And he's like, well there's some explanation for why a flat earth would do this. Like he it doesn't matter what's shown to him. He still holds on to this. Yeah. So, um, it's pretty interesting just how people will continue to believe something that is right in front of them. That's so observable. Yeah. I mean, people, private individuals have, have sent cameras up into the upper levels of the atmosphere using weather balloons and filmed every moment of it. And they would have to be in on it as well. I mean, the technology has advanced the point where, it's getting harder and harder to conceal this if this is indeed a big conspiracy. Uh, like I said, I mean, who's like, what is there to gain from this conspiracy anyways? Yeah. And of course there's the story of the guy, we posted a photo of him on our Facebook page who built his own rocket to mm -hmm. travel into space to show that the earth was flat. Mm. Did you hear about this guy? I have. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know his name. I, I wish I had it pulled up, but, um, yeah, pretty interesting. See if we could direct that passion and that energy to something good, man. <laughs> Why don't you try that hard to like, I don't know, cure cancer? Yeah. Might be, yeah. So obviously things like gravity, uh, that's pretty hard to explain away, but many flat earthers claim that gravity is a hoax. They say the phenomenon of gravity is explained by universal acceleration that um, – what do we say? The Earth's disk is perpetually accelerating upwards. So, uh, mm -hmm. but I thought this was interesting. Even if that were true, the Earth's disk would also crash into the sun from underneath. So what you were talking about earlier, Gabe. Yeah, yeah. So gravity kind of disproves the flat Earth theory. And then the sun's light. So if the flat Earth idea is correct, no point on the Earth would ever experience darkness. If the disk is flat and the sun hovers above it, then the sun would always be visible from any point on its surface. It's straightforward to show how geometrically that sunrises and sunsets would be impossible if the disk yeah. idea is correct. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah, I mean, the sun, especially in the summer, sets at like a 90-degree angle from the horizon. Mm -hmm. But in this model, in the disk model, if the sun is like a flashlight that's beaming down on the surface of the earth and it's moving around the disk like a merry-go-round, then the sun would just kind of slowly disappear into the sky and get dimmer and dimmer like a sliver. Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't yep. fully hit the horizon ever. Yep. That's a really good point. I never thought about that. Yeah. And also we've got seasons, right? So why are certain... Why do we have winter and fall and spring in different parts of the world? It's different. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think they would say that this merry-go-round track that the sun is on, it kind of like, not zigzag, but it kind of looks like sound waves. Like the sun goes um, 
closer to the middle and farther away from the middle and it does all this like and it does this kind of like on this really slow trajectory and that that would explain what what causes seasons uh, but there's okay. no natural explanation as to why the sun would move in that way i mean there's no right. natural explanation of why the sun is even still in the sky if if you know there's this universal acceleration of the earth's disk um so th- i mean there's just it's just so many impossibilities built upon impossibilities that yeah, we could right. talk about this for hours. Sure, sure, sure. So there's a lot of, I mean, you know, just in a nutshell, the science flatly contradicts. I mean, it is downright just absurd to say that science corresponds with believing the earth is flat. I mean, it's, but let's talk about the Bible because a, a Christian flat earther would go, well, listen, I don't need to believe the science. I believe God's word. Mm-hmm. So does the Bible teach that the earth is flat? What do you think? Yes or no? No, I don't. the The Bible is not a science book. It's not a geography textbook. So, so the does Bible, the Bible teach that the Earth is spherical? I don't know. Th- I don't know how much the Bible even speaks to the shape of the Earth in a literal way. But I haven't, you know, I haven't done a really in depth study on that. But uh, I, I don't. The Bible is not obsessed with the shape of the Earth. The Bible is obsessed with you know, God restoring humanity to himself and so that he can once again dwell with, with his creation. Hmm. That's a really good point. So we said this earlier, the Bible is full of non-literal descriptions and symbolic language. So just one verse that we talked about earlier, when the angel in Revelation 7, 1, he sees angels on the four corners of the earth is the point of that text to say that the earth is flat and there's four corners and God's saying, Hey, listen, the earth's flat. I'm showing you. Or Mm -hmm. is the point of that text showing that at some point during the great tribulation of the book of revelation, God will cause all wind to stop blowing. And those four corners encompass the cardinal directions that would have been familiar with people who sailed on the oceans, North, South, East, West. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a prayer, there's a ancient Jewish prayer, um, and it goes, uh, "Sound the great shofar for our freedom, raise the banner to gather our exiles and gather us from the four corners of the earth." Mm. And Judaism accepts universally accepts the globe model, but that is a figurative um, pattern of speech, an idiom, just meaning that th- that all the exiles of Israel will be gathered from all over the earth, every nook and cranny of the earth upon the sounding of this great shofar. So hmm. yeah, I'm yeah. not going to look at that prayer and be like, Oh, that prayer is talking about the earth having four corners. And even if I did that, then the spherical, the, the disc model is not the model that revelation seven and one points to. It needs to be more like a, like a saltine cracker. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. So the same could be said of scriptures that talk of the earth's pillars. So someone who's a, a flat earth literalist would say that, again, the earth is flat. There's the firmament, this big dome over the earth, and that on the ends of the earth, there are these pillars that are holding the dome up. And that's what the scripture is talking about. Well, other scholars, and this is kind of where I lean, they say, no, the whole idea of a pillar is a comparative literary device that's likening the founding of the earth to the constructing of a house. So the, the point of God saying, you know, talking about the pillars of the earth is not, well, hey, the earth is flat. I need you to know the earth is flat. But no, the earth belongs to God. 
God constructed the earth and he guarantees its stability and he, until he says otherwise. Mm, yeah. So the pillars aren't going to be moved until God says they're going to be moved. The roof's not going to cave in until God says it's going to cave in. But isn't, isn't that understanding of it more worshipful in, in our rendering of that verse, that way that you just did versus, oh, there's, there's literal pillars of rock holding up the earth. Like that, yeah. that to me undermines God's providence and love for his creation. But to say that he is the sustainer of everything. Yes. You know, that, that to me is more worshipful in our rendering of that text. Yeah. I was actually listening to um, David Jeremiah on the radio preaching recently. And uh, he said something really interesting about how we understand scripture. And he gave this little example. He said that some of us, we read scripture like a botanist looks at a flower where we take out our magnifying glass and we study every single petal and every detail of the stem and all that stuff. And we write it down in our notes and we're, we're examining it. And, and some of mm-hmm. us, we study scripture like a butterfly or we kind of light on the parts of it that we like. And we kind of, Oh, okay, that's pretty. And we don't really go deep in it. We just sort of the surface he goes, but then there's a way that we understand the scripture. Like we're, we're a, a bee, a honeybee where we go deep into it. And it's not that we're, just trying to study all the scientific parts of it, or we're just lighting on the surface of it. We're going deep in it so we can mine out that thing that sustains us. Hmm. And I thought, man, that is such a good picture of how we're supposed to understand the scripture. Not with a magnifying glass going, okay, the firmament, the pillars, all, oh, obviously this is what, uh, okay. But more like what is God speaking to us as human beings about how we're to live our lives. And what is he saying about himself through it? Mm, Yeah. And like you said, it's far more worshipful to take those passages of scripture and understand what it's communicating about God and his nature and as creator than it is to analyze it like a, like a botanist and go, okay, so this is the pillar and the firmament and the, and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So, the whole idea, I think the whole big thing that we're talking about is when we understand passages of scripture like this, we've got to use proper biblical hermeneutics. So we have to interpret the text within its proper historical and cultural context. We got to understand what is metaphor, what is literal, how it would have been understood to its uh, by its first readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from that, what is God speaking to all people in all places and all times? Um, and I think that's super important. Yeah. And and I sent you this article, um, again, with David Wilburn. He talks about, um, you know, the the cosmology. Like, let's, let's, well, maybe I'll just read it. Do you mind if I just read it? Yeah, go ahead. Allow me. Um, if we assume, even if we assume that some of the biblical authors believe that the earth was flat, that wouldn't mean that the earth is indeed flat. If we hmm. read the Bible like a science textbook, we're going to run into all sorts of problems. In his book, The Lost World of Genesis 1, Ancient Cosmology and the Origins Debate, Hebrew and A&E scholar Dr. John Walton gives a great analogy to just demonstrate the problems that arise when we apply this faulty hermeneutic consistently. If God aligned revelation 
with one particular science, it would have been unintelligible to people who lived prior to the time of that science. And it would be obsolete to those who live after that time. We gain nothing by bringing God's revelation into accordance with today's science. In contrast, it makes perfect sense that God communicated his revelation to his immediate audience in terms they understood. For example, in the ancient world, people believed that the seat of intelligence, emotion, and personhood was in the internal organs, particularly the heart, but also the liver, kidneys, and intestines. Many Bible translations use the English word mind when the Hebrew word the Hebrew text refers to the entrails, showing the ways in which language and culture are interrelated. In hmm. modern language, we still refer to the heart metaphorically as the seat of emotion. In the ancient world, this was not a metaphor, but physiology. Yet we must notice that when God wanted to talk to the Israelites about their intellect, emotions, and will, he did not revise their ideas of physiology and feel compelled to reveal a function of the brain. Instead, he adopted the language of the culture to communicate in terms they understood. The idea that people think with their hearts describes physiology in ancient terms for the communication of other matters. It is not revelation concerning physiology. So consequently, we need not try to come up with a physiology for our times that would explain how people think with their entrails. Like, um, mm, mm, like that's good. That's if, really you do, good. if you do a, a word study, which is really fascinating to do, um, on the word kidney in the Bible. In Hebrew, it's kilia, but um, it's, it's fascinating, especially when you get into like the Psalms and stuff. It, 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 um, you know, kidneys is kilia, but like Psalm 26, 2 says, um, uh, where is it? Examine me, O Lord, uh, and prove me. Test my kidneys and my heart. But most right. English translations will, will use the word mind there. So in ancient basically the point of this writer is saying in ancient physiology thought of different organs in your body as being the seat of emotions and, and intentions and, and your soul even. Um, there's no, there's actually no biblical Hebrew word for your brain. All hmm. that kind of happened in different organs, of your body. So right. what David, David Wilbur is saying, which I think is an amazing point is that if you're going to accept the cosmology of the Bible and how the Bible describes, well, how it, allegedly describes the shape of the earth, then you have to accept the Bible's physiology as well. Or we can just say that God is trying to teach unchanging truths through how the audience perceived these different aspects of their existence. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So God in in communicating his revelation to the Israelites about how he wanted them to follow him and love him with all of their mind he used the word kidneys mm -hmm. because yeah. they they would have understood that to mean what god was communicating to them he does god does not correct their physiology mm -hmm. uh but god rather speaks through a revelation that they understood in the terms of the world around them and so in the same way with cosmology speaking of the firmament and the heavens and the windows of heaven and the pillars of the earth and the foundations of the earth all of those are spoken in terms that correspond with what they knew about the earth at the time. Is that yeah, basically exactly. what he's saying? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, let me read this last scripture verse, then we'll close it up. First Timothy one, three through seven. 
this is Paul writing to his protege Timothy. He said, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. I love this next part. Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. And he talks about people who have wandered into vain discussion. Hmm. So is there a way in which if somebody just kind of goes down the rabbit hole of this, they can get into the world of myths, foolish controversies, speculations, endless genealogies. They're, they're just kind of not stewarding their time well. They're not mm-hmm. stewarding their faith well. Yeah, I think the bigger conspiracy in all of this is that this is probably for those adherents who are spending, gosh, several hours per day on the internet researching this and defending it. The bigger conspiracy is that they're not spending that time, one of the most precious commodities that we can give back to our creator. They're not spending that time with with things that are more meaningful and impactful for the kingdom. Yeah. That's probably the bigger conspiracy in all this. So let's just assume for a moment that the earth actually is flat. Um, w- what impact would that actually have on our walk with Jesus? Absolutely none. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know what I, I think of First uh, Corinthians thirteen talks about. It, Paul says, "If if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, if I know all the let me look it up. He, he's basically saying if I, I do all these things, if I know all the flat Earth theories, if I know exactly what's going on, all this stuff, but I don't have love yeah. for people around me. I don't have love for the Lord. I don't walk in love. I'm not being loving." then it's useless. Yeah, your clanging cymbal, yeah. Yeah, your resounding gong and, and clanging cymbal. I should know this text by art because at every wedding I officiate, I have to read it. <laughs> Let's see. One more one more page turn. Yeah, he says, uh, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, that was the part of it I, I wanted to read. So, man, even if you had all the mysteries and all knowledge of how all these things are put together, you knew every conspiracy there was known to man. You knew who Q was mm. from the QAnon. You you knew all of the Pizzagate detail. You knew all that stuff. But, man, you didn't have love for people, love for the Lord. You weren't stewarding your faith well. It's pointless. It's useless. Yeah. Yeah. So, last, you close this up, Gabe. Uh, what should our response be towards other believers who who do this? They promote speculations. They devote themselves to flat Earth conspiracies. How, how do we respond? How do we how do we love them? How do we speak truth to them? Uh, I think we lovingly tell them to repent, <laughs> because we should be people who promote defendable truth, and we should mm. be people who. Uh, can back up um, what we say. And yeah, I, I, so he, I guess here's the, the, the crux of it is like, I've never met someone who was like, hey, I was reading my Bible, fasting and praying, and the Lord showed me that the earth is actually flat. And I need to go to <laughs> <laughs> 
no what what typically happens is like <laughs> what typically happens is like i was i mean if we're gonna be completely honest i was i was spending too much time on the internet and watching goofball youtube teachers who are making youtube videos in their mom's basement and they convinced me that the earth was flat and i they they did yes. show some some scriptural um references that might seemingly back that up that's really how it goes right let's just be honest and guys just just if that's the case just turn your internet off just cut the line um yeah. go do things that are impactful for the kingdom that that will change other people's lives for the better yeah and and most of the time when we've done seasons of fasting and praying where people really get in their word and really spend time praying and fasting the conclusions they come away with are you know what i think the lord has revealed to me i'm spending too much time on the internet Oh yeah, that's. Or, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm spending too much time focusing on all the wrong things. I need to focus on what the right things are. I need to prioritize differently. Yeah. It's usually not. Well, God showed me the earth is flat. I mean, you don't even have to go out and like do crazy, glamorous, impactful things for the kingdom. Just get off YouTube and go throw a baseball with your son, or go yes. take your your daughter on a date or something. You know, those are kinds of things that will forever change their lives because you're investing in them. And they might go on and do some amazing, more glamorous things for the kingdom. But I always say, and I, I stand by this, one of the godliest things that you can do in your life is raise godly children. Amen. And you can't do that if, if, if you're facing a computer screen or you're facing your phone and trying to dig up all the deepest mysteries of the universe. Um, if, if God came down and zapped me with truth and showed me that the earth was flat, I'd be like, okay, let's let's move on. You know, like let's right. that's not going right, to change right, right. anything that I do on a daily basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are times when the Holy Spirit will prick my heart when I do something, and it has nothing to do with the shape of the earth, but it has something to do with my thought patterns or or an idol in my life or something like that. And um, yeah, never have I been convicted in the area of the shape of the earth. But many a times have I been convicted over where my eyes have gone, or what words that I have said, or things that I've dwelt on, or or anger that I've that I've harbored in my heart. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Absolutely. But if you're flat Earth and you're, if you ascribe to that and you're listening to this, I love you, and I want what's best for you, and um, I don't think that you're living in sin per se or anything like that. Like you're not being immoral, but I. I, I think that it could be an idol in your life that you may need to let go of. And that idol might just be, um, you know, a, a sense of pride and self-righteousness and finding all these deep hidden mysteries yeah. out. So, yeah, that's typically in the new Testament, what Paul is correcting people when they come up with myths in the genealogies, it's pretty much that they believe they've given, they've been given a uh, revelation of something other people haven't. And so that's why they want to tell everybody about it. Yeah, this kind of ties with Gnosticism. Yeah, it has less to do with the actual fact. It has more to do with the fact that, well, we know the truth and other people don't. Yeah. So anyway. Well, man, it's been a good discussion. Yeah, it has been. Do you think we'll be accused of being reptilian shapeshifters and be accused of having our podcast hijacked by the Illuminati for talking about the Earth as a globe? <laughs> Uh, I can't. I can't uh, speak to whether or not I'm actually a lizard person. <laughs> they'll they'll cut up my lizard card. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Oh, All right, man. everybody. Well, 
make sure you go outside tonight and look at the constellations and remember the earth is not flat. <laughs> so it was this uh 31, 32 episodes? Now? 32. Yeah. Wow. We made it. Isn't that crazy. And crazy. over 10,000 downloads. Wow. It's a milestone That's we hit. So incredible. Thank you to our listeners for listening and reposting and sharing and leaving reviews and you guys are awesome yeah so we, we love you guys so yeah thank you guys for listening awesome we'll see you guys next time well thanks for listening that's our show if you like what you've heard make sure to give us a share leave us a review or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com <laughs>